irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Sunday, March 15th, 2020. This week's stories, Elephant Trophy Hunt starts in Botswana in April. In the year of the pig, Snoop Dogg is taking the pig out of bacon, the modern matchmaker for vegans and vegetarians. Hello. I am William Mayoff. And I am Nancy DeFabio, and with our producer, Dale Chadwick. How are you doing? Hi, Dale. Thank Welcome you. to Animal News Magazine. This is a live radio show about animals. Topics range from animals in science, to animals in entertainment, to animals in religion, to animals in agriculture. And, especially today, uh, insects and uh, cute little flying creatures such as bees. Animals play an important role Bumblebees. in our daily lives. They have a bee movie. <laughs> I don't mean bees in ABC. They could be as in buzzing. Buzzing bees, bee movie. yes. It's so a movie. It's a movie? Yeah, it was out about a year or two or three ago. Okay. Bee, yeah. It had bees in it? Yeah. Anyway, this show is about increasing our knowledge and understanding of Seinfeld the animal world. Pardon sorry, me? I'm sorry, Seinfeld was in the bee movie. Okay, very yeah. important to know. All right. Yeah. And from the information that we provide with you today, including bee information and movie information, you can draw your own conclusions. So talking about bees, our guest today is Sarah Red Laird. She's otherwise known as the Bee Girl. Uh, She knows everything about bees. Uh, That's what she lives and breeds. And uh, she's going to be sharing her bee knowledge with us today. And uh, in keeping with our bee uh, theme today, what did the bee say to the other bee when they landed on the same flower. Don't Bu- know. What did they? What did they say? Buzz off. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Nancy, your jokes, your, your, your thematic jokes are second to none, and your guests, I love. That's a you know, before uh, before we get to the stories and to the guests, uh, you know, I guess we need to we need to get to the um, elephant in the room. Yeah, the elephant, the, in, the room, elephant the, in the room, the, the coronavirus desk. The corona- <laughs> well, hey, if you go to your supermarkets worldwide, that's what it is. It's the end of the world. Okay. It's the Passover 10 plagues. It could be the Passover 10 plagues, but, you know, enough is enough. It just, you know, there was a lineup at Trader Joe's outside today. All the shelves are gone. The meat is gone. Not that I eat meat, but I'm thinking, people, water. Everything. Are, are they going to cut off our paper. water supply? They just overreacted. Why don't you just get a like a filter jug and filters and fill that with the with the kakapipi water and drink that instead of buying gallons of water? It's just you know, it's a horrible toilet movie. paper. It's Do we get diarrhea movie. from the coronavirus? No. What's that all no. about? No. All the- all the fun, it's, yeah, it should be Halloween, actually, this terrible it's pandemic. I know. Uh, it, it, we're not claiming to be any kind of, uh, you know, uh, PhDs or MDs as far as virology goes. But this is something that attacks, it's airborne, attacks the respiratory system, the face, you know, the throat and the lungs. Yes. But it's not the defecation and diarrhea. So I don't know. This must be 
uh, an infantile instinct or something. They got to make sure, sure that they uh, run and uh, no. All the bread is gone. Yeah, I, I was. I all I wanted was paper. some frozen fruit and some. Yeah. All the bulk products are gone, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay. If you have an upper respiratory problem, you have asthma. You're an infant. You're an older person. You you have a low immune system. I get it, but it, it's out of control. People walking around with black plastic gloves and masks on their faces. It's, it's like nuts. And such a small percentage of the population is dying from it. Right. I mean, Not to minimize it, but it's true. It's you want to take precautions, yeah. but you know, you, if unless you're, you know, you're susceptible to it, like because of the conditions I just told you before, or unless you're eating bat soup, then you deserve to die. You, you know, anybody yeah. having bat soup right now just deserves to die immediately, instantly. For those who are their global uh, audience, those who are listeners who don't really know the source of this, the purported source is. Somebody in Wuhan province in China in that open flea market, meat market, whatever it's called, food, mar- food market, they eat bats, okay? And the chauve-souris, known, right. known in Quebec. In French, chauve-souris Quebec French. doesn't eat that crap, that's for sure. But it, it's just French. So anyway, so, so they, they believe that a bat may have been infected, uh, and they eat bats at Wuhan or in China, and that the urine or blood... Again, this should be a Halloween show. The urine or blood, uh, you know, they ate it. They made a soup, whatever. It's infected. And uh, welcome to the world, destroying the world economy. Poor airlines and companies have to cancel all their flights, lay people off. Uh, that's what the calamity is. It's terrible. And yeah. countries minding their own business, like Italy, have to be on lockdown. And uh, it, it's just human suffering for nothing. People are going to be laid off, destroying the economy yeah. around the globe. It's disgusting. But the big question mark is how closed countries like Iran have it really rampant up there and how Justin Trudeau's wife's got it. And, you know, anyways. But uh, certainly, folks, remember, it's not diarrhea, symptomology. They take it easy with the toilet paper stuff. Uh, and they run and race. I waited in line at a place here in L.A. because I don't like to be without toilet paper. It's just not cool. Uh, not that I thought that uh, you, you would need stock supplies of toilet paper. And I was first in line, just a taste. We're, we are with the, the, the average folk here. We're not just academic, as I tell you every week here in this show, okay? Uh, you know, we do what we say in all this. So anyways, I'm first in line. They unlock the doors of this place. And, uh, and I walk quickly, but not fast enough. So this woman, fourth, fifth, sixth in line, she starts trotting in front of me, and I turn to her. This is L.A. This is supposed to be civilized society, Los Angeles, California. And she says, well, you're not walking fast, you're not running fast enough. Then there was a limit of two packages of toilet paper, and they just didn't care about that. Just this whole, heavens to Bernie. I yeah, don't know and, and the media is, you know, okay, the be- media is, you know, really inflaming all this, but let's use our minds also. Let's try Some to think sense. it through. Let's try to think. think. I mean, if I had little faith in humanity before, I have almost no faith, no faith now. now. It's just horrible how... Uh, the regular mainstream media can drive people nuts. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabia, William Mayoff, broadcast worldwide. You can get our podcast. You can Google it. Uh, and uh, we appreciate any feedback you have. We have a website. We have email address. The email address, Nancy, if folks want to write in or contact us is what? Nancy at AnimalLawLawyer.com, or you can also write us at Nancy at AnimalNewsMagazine.com. And also very important for those people who can't make it to the live show, 
Um, this is, uh, you'll find uh, a recording of the show on your favorite podcast platform or on animalnewsmagazine.com or latalkradio.com. So if you want to listen to this show or any other shows before or after, um, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, latalkradio.com, animalnewsmagazine.com, you will find us if you look for us. That's right. You just have to Google also latalkradio.com. And, and, okay, uh, let's get to the news. More. So uh, just make sure you more, towel more, down everything and you, you, you put the hand sanitizer, wait in line for that and all the other stuff. Yeah, and, more coronavirus news. Let's go. Wait a minute. i got to gas up my car, so I have to touch the nozzle hose thing, and I have to worry about that, too. Then yeah, I gotta you have to worry about all these things. sanitizer. We're all going to die. It's the end, shoes, <laughs> the end of everything. Where I sit. Unbelievable. Anyway, there are at least twenty to 30,000 animals trapped in people's homes since Wuhan went into lockdown. They may have escaped Wuhan, the Chinese city at the epicenter of the coronavirus epidemic, but many people had to get out of Wuhan left without their pets. Do they have pets there? They just don't eat them? Well, that's also, also that's another important thing about the story is that not everybody in Wuhan eats bats and civets. Some of them actually have pets. So let's let's keep it fair and balanced. Well, fair and balanced. I have to deviate one more time. To be fair, I am being fair. I engage the services of a Mandarin. We had a lawsuit going on, and I was defending. Uh, We had a, a Mandarin interpreter who said that she flew to China back and forth with his family there, and she herself, honest, honest, told me that there was a restaurant there, okay, nonstop flights from Los Angeles to wherever this little city started with an S, and she said there's very few dogs that are wild dogs or dogs, feral dogs, if you're running around, and this is an Asian woman volunteering this, okay, she said they'll slaughter the dog that's on the street and boast about to let you know how fresh the dog meat is. So this is not a, well, it's pretty savage, you know, we live well, in 2020, yeah. but this is not a, oh, the guy's a racist and anti-Asian. No, I'm just stating the fact that an right. Asian lady, our interpreter, stated this, that that's how it is. You know, you, you, this is the, uh, you know, array of uh, people in China. Some probably would frown on that. We would hope some places in China. Yes. But this is what they do at restaurants, this city in, in China. It's, spoken to us by an interpreter. Anyways, so far there have been 134,471 coronavirus cases. Of course, these numbers changed. 4,970 deaths. 68,900 have recovered. Wuhan Mayor Zhao Jingwang said 5 million people had left the city before the restrictions began, leaving many pets. That's where we come in. Animal News Magazine. The soft part of the story leaving many pets trapped inside homes with nothing to eat or drink. Now, groups of volunteers in the city are working around the clock to help the animals, and that's conscientious and beautiful. So kudos out to the segment right, of the population right. in Wuhan. Who care? We salute right. that, and we salute those kind folks in China. Lao Mao, the head of Wuhan Cat Animal Rescue Center, estimates there are at least 20,000 to 30,000 animals trapped in and around Wuhan with no one around to feed them. He told NBC News that 100 volunteers from the center had saved more than 2,500 such animals since the lockdown began. 
getting access to people's homes, and it is a challenge. However, in itself, in a lockdown city, he said, Dufan, the head of Wuhan Animal Protection Association, said they have been inundated with around 3,500 requests for help since the lockdown began. They have now responded to 1,300 of those calls. Most of the calls they get are to feed cats and dogs, but requests have been made for reptiles, rabbits, birds, and mini pigs. Not guinea pigs, mini pigs, he said. There are also reports that some animals have been abandoned because of unsubstantiated rumors that pets can transmit the coronavirus. Well, you know, at least that's more more credible than the, the corona beer from Mexico uh, infecting people and people stopping. Yeah, the World beer. Health Organization said there's, there's no evidence that um, companion animals or pets, such as cats and dogs, have been infected or can spread the virus. So that's all so stupid no stuff. Of animals, but yeah. is there any, any substance to the corona beer spreading uh, the coronavirus? Absolutely. There is. Good. The, we'll stop drinking virus somehow, right, Nancy? We have to stop drinking that beer somehow. And I, I, I must say, <laughs> hey, I like beer. You like Chat, corona yeah, beer? It's not corona beer. Yeah. Not so much. I've never tried corona beer. Drink I'm not a beer person. Drink responsibly, though. Uh, a very quick deviation once again. Actually, it's relevant to the story. Nancy, your guests are second to none. I mean that sincerely. And that's one of the reasons I, I love collaborating, doing the show with you. We've got to invite the gentleman who's the Bat Maven. From okay? the Movie Conservancy. Yeah, and his name escapes me now. I apologize. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bat forgetting and all this You're stuff. You're bat forgetting. Yes. Yeah. But he really is a connoisseur of bats. And yeah. we don't need this to necessarily give bats a bad name. Just don't put them in soup and then blood and Well, that's what it is. Uh, you know. Don't eat the guys, for God's sakes. But right. he has, he really, and he tells you scientifically, methodically, the benefit that they they uh, they, they uh, render to society. They inspire wonderful movies and batmobiles and bat caves. Yeah. And let's pick it on bats, blame it on a bat. I think they're cute. Blame it on the people who are killing bats there and what all that stuff with Wuhan. That's one reporter's opinion. Anyways, there are also reports that some animals have been abandoned. We right. know that they don't tra- they don't transfer, so stop that. Social media reports have even suggested pets are being thrown out from buildings amid the growing scare. However, the news media could not independently verify those reports. Yeah, we don't have any uh, legitimate reports. You know, you have to be careful with social media because they'll say all kinds of stuff. And sometimes it's true. Uh, the, the truth is usually in the middle. So Reports in the pudding. The, yeah. The, the is proof in the is in the pudding. Oh, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> we got to get that right. That's our artistic side. Did you towel down everybody, hand sanitizer? Make sure you have enough toilet paper. Shenzhen, a city in China of around 13 million people, has drafted a law to ban residents from eating dog and cat meat. The proposed act also bars snake, frog, and turtle meat from being eaten. If this law gets passed, it will be the first of its kind in the country. The officials describe the regulation as universal civilization requirement of modern society. Wow. Wow, it and is. This is Chinese inspired by Chinese legislators. Yeah, the city of Shenzhen. The, and here's how you spell the city. So this is not a, you know, a, uh, a smear against Chinese folk or Asian folk. Just their own people, right. their own legislators have been inspired to try to modernize parts right. of China. This is their own people. Here's how you spell the city where this is being enacted. Nancy, this is so worldly and so top. It's amazing. Kudos to you. 
No, kudos to Shenzhen. No, I didn't inspire the law. But you, you know, you, you find all these systems. Yeah. You're just fantastic. You're Geraldo. Uh, we try Rivera. to be fair Nancy, here. I'm giving you the Geraldo Rivera. Fair and balanced. You're, you're Geraldo Rivera. You just uncover all this stuff here. Uh, this is the name of the city, folks. Shenzhen. S is in Sam. H E N is in Norman. Z is in zebra. H E N. A city in China around 13 million people. They sent your tiny little. You know, uh, little small town, your little hick bum town. Uh, no. Who the hell knows uh, Pennsylvania? No offense against Pennsylvanians. The official described the regulation. Well, we already said that, so like, don't repeat yourself. According to the proposed legislation, maybe I'm not eating enough uh, bat soup. Yeah, bat soup. <laughs> According to the proposed legislation, nine types of livestock are suitable for people to eat. They are pigs, cows, sheep, donkey, donkeys, rabbits, chicken, ducks, geese, and pigeons. Residents are also allowed to eat what they call aquatic, aquatic animals. The news comes after China recently banned all trade and consumption of wild animals. So they're trying to move in the right direction. So which are the animals that they want to ban in this uh, city, Shenzhen, well, China? Well, civets, wild animals, bats, civets, the, um, I think snakes also, uh, because the snake frog turtle meat, turtle meat you can eat because it's not considered a. No, it says that the proposed act also bars snake frog and turtle meat. Okay, so wild the animals, the wild, yeah, wild because I, I would think snake and would be considered uh, frog and turtle meat as wild meat, which is in line with the federal law that China's trying to pass to ban the trade and consumption of all wild animals. And, but Well, it's, it's also they want to ban a law to ban residents from eating dog and cat. Right. So I just mentioned the story with my interpreter. Yeah. So they're going to be hard-pressed to demonstrate how fresh their dog meat is if they can't eat the dog. Well, so, this is because uh, they're trying to modernize that city. Right, gotcha. So the country's trying to do one thing and trying the city's to trying to do something else. Actually, the city is dub, you know, doubling up on you know dogs cats and uh, wild animals but i just want to give a little background on, on all this uh, virus stuff so covid-19 otherwise known as the coronavirus originated in bats uh, we know bats maybe even snakes remember the sars sars yes i do okay so they say it likely originated in bats and civets sars really? yeah sars um so uh it's and I think other there else there are also prior viruses that also originated there. in There's animals. A message, right? There is a message. Start eating veggie stuff. How about that? And in the odd time you get E. coli stuff with Romano lettuce or Romaine lettuce, but uh, it doesn't seem to morph itself into some pandemic or anything, right? Yeah, I, and I, how I, does that start? That starts from dung from animals. And it, it all originates, and it doesn't. From, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're all. I mean, the pesticides aren't good. Chemicals obviously are, are killing us too, but I think it's a slower rate of death, or maybe our immune system veggies. can handle pesticide better right. than it can the viruses and all the crap from animal products and byproducts. I wonder what a bat tastes like. Chicken. Chicken? You think? No, that's what corny people say all the time. No, I don't really know. Chicken. We'll have to look that up. Have, uh, some laughter track there, Nancy, when I say it tastes like chicken. Tastes like chicken, okay. We have Anyway, this next story is nothing to laugh at. It's very sad. Elephant hunting season starts in three weeks in Botswana. The Botswana government announced it will restart elephant hunts this year. 
A quota has been issued of 272 killings starting in April, and it'll go through September during their dry season when the bush is thinner and elephants are easier to locate. Foreign hunters will be allowed to kill 202 of the elephants, and 70 will be reversed for local people. Reserved, rather, not reversed. Most of the hunters that go to southern Africa are from the U.S. Are two of those supposed to be Trump's sons there? Probably. Yeah, those two idiots holding up the tails of the elephants and all that. The average cost for a foreign trophy hunter, the right to shoot an elephant, is anywhere from 21000 to $60,000 or more. So it's a rich man's sport. It is okay? a rich man's sport. 100 years ago, the global elephant population was approximately 3 to 5 million. After decades of poaching and hunting, the current elephant population is estimated at 415,000. We're not far from total extinction. Yeah. Not far at all. For money. For money. It's revolting, truly. Elephants are critically endangered and protections for them in certain regions like Botswana has recently have recently been dismissed. In 2014, the government of Botswana put a trophy hunting ban in place. During the ban, elephants from bordering countries such as Namibia and Angola moved to Botswana and prospered from the ban. Today, one-third of the African elephant population reside in Botswana. In 2019, the government lifted the hunting ban on elephants Last year, there were 350 elephant hunting permits that were issued, and an additional 386 elephants were killed by poachers. That's the illegal hunting and killing of the critters. Elephants help to maintain biodiversity. So we, it's sad. We shouldn't even have to make this pitch as to the benefit of animal of the, these beautiful elephants. Okay, I mean they're going down from three to five million to four hundred fifteen thousand. So that's just a heart-wrenching thing. I don't. They don't. They don't threaten society. They don't threaten to eat all the brush and make human beings starve. So it's kind of sad that we have to now evolve the story into the benefits. They, they, they right, they, exactly. They, 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 uh, you know, now they, we have to make a pitch for the elephants. We have to make a pitch to save elephants. You just have to get these scum buckets, rich people who have money to throw in the garbage can to go hunt on their safaris. We should hunt them. Yeah, How about gotta, that? Yeah, really. So you know, look to the. Your communities across the globe and, you know, the, the very well-to-do places where they might live. And this is not a socialist tax the rich, you know, stupid uh, political statement here. You know, if, if you're rich, you know, go buy yourself some whatever the hell and go get a video and go on a cruise and drink a cocktail someplace. But don't be a sick mofo and start killing these elephants and selling their tusks and I can't believe in the Schwarzenegger movie we saw, they showed that faceless elephant where they cut the face off the elephant, probably to get the Game tusks. changers. So, it, well, by the way, I know where this is a stream of consciousness here, too. I can't emphasize, folks, it's not just a propaganda. It's, it's a you know, one-sided stupid movie with an agenda. It's called The Game Changers, Nancy. Yeah. And Schwarzenegger, he's a, he plays a prominent role. Uh, also, he's got a cameo in there and behind the scenes. Also, Jackie Chan, if you like Jackie Chan. Man, even if you're not a hippie and all that stuff and vegetarianism, they really do show you clinically why eating meat and cheese and all that stuff, why it screws your body up. Okay, let's get back to the story. Well, I don't want people hunting elephants. I yeah, well, disgusting. let's let... Okay, they're all... They're known... Elephants are known as the gardeners of the forest. What a beautiful name that is. 
They help I them. Know. They I, spread see. the seeds from the plants. They actually kind of pollinate because they spread seeds from the plants they've eaten, which helps to disperse the plant life in other areas. So, so that's look really at the cool. Function that they, they, uh, they maintain there. So the the plant that grows from their from the seeds that they spread, it emits oxygen, which is well, we need oxygen on the planet to survive. You know that elephants they dig water holes and dry riverbeds, and other animals use as a water source. So they create water for other animals. It's it's cute. It's nice, and they create trails that also serve as fire breakers, which is pretty cool. So did you get that, folks? What they do, the benefits that elephants provide to, to the ecology, to society. Gardeners of the forest. That's beautiful. We name. just used to think that they would. Fortunately, there's less and less of this happening. That they just would play a part in circuses. But uh, no, they guard the forest. So they help pollinate like bees. They're just an oversized bee. Our guest's going to come up soon about bees. What they do, and and, and, and all these things that Nancy just uh, recited. They dig water holes. It's just beautiful. And they 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 you know they put trails in for fire uh, to keep fires contained. You know they can also help local communities. Through ecotourism. Mm-hmm. So what about the kids going to see how huge these creatures, how beautiful they are? Remember things, got to get a, get a my memory of an elephant. Ecotourism is a $2 billion industry, and hunting contributes only to 1.9% of tourism. Okay, before we get quick, quick to the next story, because uh, we're spending a lot of time Stay talking about the coronavirus, and rightfully so, I wanted to find ecotourism a little bit. And we, people are traveling. Please, please, let's let's do more of it. Um it's basically other way. It's called responsible travel, where people go to natural areas that conserve the environment, uh, sustain the well the well being of the local people who live there, and it also you get a little bit of education. So, for example, um, ecotourism helps build uh, cultural awareness by you you learn about you know you learn to respect the place you're visiting, the community you visit. Um, you get an educational experience. Um, you're focused. It focuses on the environment. So. Uh, all the people involved in, the, in the, the the travel agency people, they make sure that um, the welfare of the local community is taken into consideration. Uh, the animals in that environment are taken into consideration. There's no abuse. It's just um, so it's a great way to travel. Chain and it helps the economy. And Absolutely, you're helping animals, you help people stay employed. Right. There's and no it's, downside yeah, to keeping these elephants. It's totally on the an upside. Planet. Is there any downside to keeping an elephant on the planet? <laughs> No, not the gardeners of the forest, that's for sure. So just think of that. When you're bringing your kids and showing love to your kids and reading bedtime stories to your kids, think of the elephants. And if everyone you know says and does things towards that end, you're going to help elephants. Let's help elephants. This week, vegan snack brand Outstanding Foods announced its newest partner and investor, legendary musician Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg said that he is excited to partner with the outstanding foods team, and that he loves their munchies. Snoop Dogg. The munchies Snoop Dogg is referring to is the pigless pork rinds. The new rinds are made with rice and pea protein, baked and seasoned to taste like pork. The rinds are a vegan alternative to traditional fried pig skins. According to Outstanding Foods, they are baked until light and crispy and seasoned to create an authentic pork taste. Man, if it's good enough for Snoop Dogg, it's good enough for me. You know that? Are they yeah, part I think of he's on his, I think he's converting himself to vegetarianism. Snoop I, 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 that's the word on the street. That's Snoop what Dogg's I okay. hear. Well, he's okay. Pigless pork rinds are available in original, nacho cheese, hella hot, and Texas barbecue. Each three and a half ounce bag has 25 grams of plant protein and is free of gluten. So 
free of gluten, free of soy, GMOs, cholesterol, and trans fats. The oh, Rhine's right. top three ingredients are rice, high oleic expeller pressed sunflower oil, and pea protein. Snoop Dogg, we should, we should have a song, uh, you know, uh, Snoop Dogg in the background here. It sounds good. Hey, cool, yeah. yeah. So we may have Snoop Dogg on the show. Yeah, we're going to uh, try in, and in see. Com- coming uh, programs. We're checking. We're, we're getting but he's pretty quiet about the whole vegetarian thing. It's hard to get... Uh, he's a quiet guy yeah, in it's general. Really? He's really low-key. It's key. hard to get yeah. a, so is a statement from him. So is Schwarzenegger. Uh, Outstanding Foods was co-founded in 2016 by entrepreneur Bill Glazer and former Beyond Meat chef and just co-founder Dave Anderson with the mission of making vegan food mainstream. In 2018, the company launched its first product line, Pig Out Chips. Pig Out Chips, yeah. Pig Out Chips are made from a proprietary blend of mushrooms and spices. They have zero cholesterol, 69% less sodium than cooked pork bacon, and 73% less fat than cooked pork bacon. While a serving of traditional bacon has 233 calories, a serving of pig-out chips has only 160 calories and just one gram of saturated fat. Part of a partnership, as part of a partnership, Snoop Dogg launched a website dedicated to the sale of the vegan pork rinds, and 10% of sales will be donated to Snoop Special Stars. Kudos to Snoop Man, a nonprofit organization that Snoop Special Stars is a nonprofit organization that helps to provide opportunities for inner city children to participate in youth football and cheerleading. And that is a beautiful story, Nancy. You're listening to LA Talk Radio Animal News Magazine. Not Nancy only is the, the company family. now Outstanding Foods is focused on um, also obviously to encourage consumers to move away from consuming pig products, but it's uh, also focused its efforts on saving pigs in real life. Um, they're uh, cooperating. They're working with Gentle Barns National Sanctuary to uh, to save pigs through the Pig Out Pig Shelter. So that's really really cool. So just before you buy anything, think: Where's your money going? What is it being used to? How far can you stretch your dollar? So you get a product, but maybe something uh, the people who receive your money uh, can use that money for the greater good. So where can they buy the pig out products? And, and, and uh, you can get some on Amazon, but the pork rinds, I don't think they've been uh, released yet. They're being released in March. So Should they go to Outstanding Foods? Website? Outstanding Foods, your I think, website? has the where pig out go? chips, but doesn't have the rinds. They, they'll have pig out chips on outstandingfoods.com. Let's call uh, Sarah. So we're working on getting those links to your website. Yes, absolutely. And in the meantime, go to smile.amazon.com. Yeah, they'll have the pig out chips and uh, great flavors, but the rinds I don't think have been um, Folks, unveiled yet. If you go to smile.com, smile.amazon.com, smile.amazon.com, they'll contribute to uh, many, many uh, worthwhile animal charities. Yeah. So, the thing, as like I was saying before, it looks like uh, Snoop Dogg is uh, adopting a vegetarian lifestyle, but uh, we're not, we don't. Hello, is anybody online? This yes, is Nancy. Hello, is this Sarah, the big girl? Yes. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to Animal yes. News Magazine. This is Nancy DeFabio. I'm here with William Mayoff, my co-host, I'm and uh, you're live Welcome. on LA Talk Radio. Thank you so much. I know you're a very, very busy bee girl and for taking the time to talk to us. But I'm fascinated with bees, always have been. Um, so thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And, and Nancy... Yeah, thank you so much for the invite. Welcome, Sarah. And, you know, we have a little post box 
outside here in LA and it's in a bu- right near a bush with a whole bunch of bees around it and Nancy's always said watch the bees they're important they're endangered and all that so Nancy's not just loving bees because you're the bee girl she, she's a truthful genuine consistent believer in all of nature's creatures really. so it's very important to me to have so for you to be here and to answer some questions because uh, you're basically the expert so before we get started with uh, with the bees can you tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you do and how you got involved with bees yeah i um i am the founder and executive director of a nonprofit called the bee girl organization and um i uh which I started in uh, winter in between 2010-2011, so we're almost uh, a decade into it. Um, and I, I've just, I've really always loved bees and had an affinity and a fascination with bees and honey. My probably starting around my earliest bee memory is, of course, getting stung when I was about three or four, oh, and um, and then I carried that forward into college where I had the privilege to work at the honeybee lab at the University of Montana in Missoula with Dr. Jerry Bromenschenk and um, and uh, went to school actually for resource conservation and water policy but um, once I started working with bees there was just no going back for wow. me I knew it was the thing that I wanted to do so um, I uh, I um, was really uh, excited and passionate around working with kids and also working in more of the conservation habitat, conservation side of it, which I wasn't really finding at that time was neither of those things I could do through working in academia. So I decided to leave academia and start my own nonprofit to be able to really address those those two things. So that's primarily what we do is teach kids about bees and bee conservation and why bees are important. And then also we um, have a research project called Regenerative Bee Pasture where we're developing um, strat- uh, developing um, uh, uh, technical tools and, um, and strategies around using regenerative agriculture principles to get more flowers on the ground for bees by partnering with uh, primarily cattle ranchers that are interested in holistic adaptive grazing. So, um, yeah, that's that's the short of it. So, okay, you just said something that, that's kind of important. Cattle ranchers are working with you to plant more flowers? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so there's a movement right now called regenerative agriculture, which is basically using agriculture and farming to heal the landscape and make the land better than how they found it. And one of the ways they're doing that is by using ungulates like cows and sheep and goats um, in a way that they used to work the land before we took predators out of the system. So having cows just um, graze on the landscape willy-nilly and strip away riparian zones and or elk or or whatever this grazer is on the landscape, having them um, go out into the landscape and eat whatever is delicious, which is usually the flowers and the new budding shoots in the riparian zones, the stream zones. So um, when there was predators in the system, uh, bison and elk, for example, would stay in very tight 
groups for protection and they would be continually moving every 24 to 48 hours in a huge, huge bunch. And as they went along, they pooped and peed and drooled and ate everything that was there, not just those quote-unquote ice cream plants, the yummy things that they wanted and left everything else. So that's really how our landscapes and our rangelands and our prairies evolved, was having these big, gigantic balls of um, of mammals, of, of ungulates um, moving around the landscape. So there are um, uh, a group of farmers and ranchers that are wanting to do this again. And um, so they basically collect their animals using horse and dog teams or a series of electric fences to bunch their animals together and move them around the landscape in a more ecological and responsible way. So um, and it's so absolutely fascinating to see the, the soil health just goes through the roof. And I want to make sure that there's as many flowers as possible um, in that good soil. So that's really what my work is, is working with ranchers to get more flowers out there on the landscape. So how enlightening. We did not know that, you know, Nancy? That well, they're probably the smaller cattle ranchers, not the factory farm, like not the Smithfield. No, farm. no, no, not like a CAFO, not like a, um, yeah. So these are grass-fed. Family farms. Um, these are grass-fed family farmers. Yeah, yeah small family figure, farmers, small family operations that are doing this. Go figure the grazing animals would eat the flowers first. That's their chocolate bars and candy. Yeah, isn't that pretty? To the detriment of the little bumblebees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is I that know. what your point is, Sarah? That, that we don't want the flowers all take because the bees, they look, they don't have uh, food yeah, and we flowers need to, to pollinate, Yeah, we need to grow right? flowers for the bees. So tell us a little bit, why are bees so important? Bees are important because they pollinate at least one every three bites of our food. So the vast majority of color and flavor and vitamins and minerals that we get from our plates come from a bee's pollination service. They move pollen from one flower to the next and that flower uh, then pollinates and that food and and creates not only the food itself, but then seeds for the next generation of that plant to keep going. Can you give us an example, something tangible, so we could bring it home? Well, almond trees. Do they? Do we have almonds because of bees? We absolutely do. Yeah. So um, the almonds natural wow. uh, pollinator that they evolved with is honeybees. So wow. if we didn't have honeybees, we would not have almond butter or almond milk or almonds themselves we just i i'm actually in an event with my family right now and the kids were just eating almonds so we wouldn't have any of those flowering tree right can i marvel for a moment at what the bees the bumblebee honey let me marvel at that information i did not know until this very second you have enriched my life and, and made it more worthwhile sarah so if i'm eating almond butter or having any kind of like blue diamond almond, a good plug for them, whatever. That almond is delicious. It's good for you too, healthy. A bumblebee played a role in that, that process, correct? Yeah, honeybees. Oh, no. So the, our honeybees are used to So honeybees evolved with the almond trees. Wow. Um, and and species wonderful. similar to almond trees as well. So, yeah, and then it's it's all across the spectrum. So when I do my kids' wow. camps, we play a game. Every time we sit down to eat our snacks or our lunches, 
and we pick out every single thing that we can think of bee for. And so wow. anything that a bee pollinates, so strawberries, raspberries, blueberries. No way. Um, Apples. Uh, quite a few of our nuts. Um, Do you have a lot of our website? fruits and vegetables. So even things like carrots, where like you don't think like, oh, like a carrot plant, like a carrot's pollinated, but that when carrots go to seed and they flower, honeybees pollinate the carrot flowers and then make seeds for the next generation of carrots so even even things like that that it's kind of hard to think about how you would have anything to do with a carrot plant do you have a website that lists you know the 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 credits for for bees bumblebees do you have a website a charity whatever it is that you promote the awareness of bees and the important part of the the play and what you just mentioned you play games with the kids is that yeah your, yeah please tell us bgirl.org is uh as our website for the organization that i run and Say there's again, a please. ton of information there and i have a, a blog that i um write a lot for and there's um it's, yeah a, a plethora again. of B-girl, information on bgirl.org bgirl.org how do you spell spell it b-e-e b-e-e-g-i-r-l dot o-r-g let, let, let me let me be a little bit childish here. What about the killer bees and all that uh, stuff? Talk to us just for a second about that. It, yeah, that's a great question. So, um, Apiscutellata, which is the um, the bee that is very aggressive, um, very well, very defensive. I wouldn't say they're as much aggressive as they are, just highly, highly defensive of their their nests. Um, they are a real thing. They do. They live in hotter southern climate so los angeles texas um new mexico they can't survive in uh cooler environments so they're never really going to get up for um californians will never go north of like the bay area because it's way too cold there so they'll be pretty much sanctioned down to san diego los angeles area but um the the best line of defense for africanized bees are actually urban beekeepers so they are the best people to call and to um, help. And so that's why we, why having um, uh, good urban beekeeping laws, which are loose and allow urban beekeepers are so important because they're really the ones that can recognize and know how to um, take care of a situation with what we call hot bees or bees that are super defensive of their space that can be dangerous for neighbors. So um, they are a real thing, but um, uh Unless you're living in a really hot climate, you will never have to worry about them. And if you are living in a hot climate, just use caution. But just um, don't don't be. Uh, I I would just encourage people not to be fearful of bees. And even Ipiscutellata, um, if they're just out pollinating, they're not interested in stinging you. They're defensive of their nest and their queen and their honey and their babies, but they're. They're, they're not interested in singing you if they're outside the hive pollinating a flower. So they're not going to follow us to the front door and make sure they get us and all that. They don't have that uh, concept. Nope. <laughs> now, and speaking nope. of stinging, is it true that if a bee stings you, they sh- they die shortly thereafter? Is that true? That's true, yeah. So when a honeybee stings, she uh, the stinger sticks in your skin and it eviscerates her. So uh, a... Um, two different glands come out with that stinger. One is, and they both have pumps, and one is pumping venom into your skin, and one is pumping an alarm pheromone out into the world to basically let her sisters know, hey, there's danger in this area. Come 
help protect. And so um, there, it actually has almost like a, it smells almost like banana candy, the pheromone that comes out. You can smell it. And so if there's any other bees around, they will also come and nail you, just trying to get you to um, go away and, and leave their leave their space and leave their, right, right. Um, their nest site again, and their queen being, alone. Again, they're being defensive. Um, defensive. They're yeah. I would not. I would definitely argue that honeybees are not aggressive. They're defensive. And most of our. So we. There's not just honeybees in this country. We have four thousand and probably more different species of native bees. So there's mason bees and sweat bees and sunflower bees and squash bees and the vast majority of those bees don't sting. Right. But are the other bees beneficial to ecology too? I mean, are there cute stories with absolutely? Yeah. So our native bees add three million dollars, or excuse me, three billion dollars a year to our agricultural industry and pollination service value. So yeah, they're also extremely important. And the thing with native bees is they don't have a beekeeper to take care of them if they're hungry or sick. And so, um, we we should have a little a little extra dose of compassion and awareness around our native bees right. to so native plant bees, flowers for them and give them space and cut down on our pesticide use and are, are those the ones that are I read that um, I mean I mean I think it's common knowledge that bees are just dying off throughout the U S um, just are those just the native bees or also bees from beekeepers Correct Yeah No Our honeybees actually um, they're Okay, it's harder and harder every year for beekeepers to keep their bees alive. That's for sure, but they're not. Um, Why? What's the biggest to the threat, point Sarah? of being endangered or threatened? What's but the we have threat? so our hylaeus, our yellow-faced bees, and then there's also two different species of bumblebees that are endangered or threatened. Why are they threatened or endangered, please? It's so it's a combination of uh, climate change, um, pesticides. Habitat loss and disease. Oh, wow. What can we do to? So it's kind of like the, death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> what can we do to help the cause so the bees keep pollinating and, and, and keep being in movies like the bee movie and all that? Yeah. Well, the best thing that you can do is plant flowers, pesticide-free oh. flowers. Wow. And so my favorite flowers to plant that grow absolutely everywhere are sunflowers, oh, Cecilia, and Cosmos. Okay. Those are my favorites for bees that are super easy to grow. Anybody can grow those things. And even if you just have a pot on your front porch with some tecilia or sunflower growing out of it, that's great. Or if you can sacrifice a tenth of your green grass for a flower, a sunflower and a tecilia patch, that would be amazing. So I think that's the... That's the one thing that we can do. And then another thing we can do is um, really be advocates um, and and good conscious consumers. And so visiting farmers markets, supporting your local small family farms, supporting farmers that don't use pesticides or um, and that are really practicing good, sustainable and regenerative agriculture practices. Really vote with your dollar by supporting those farmers. And then, of course, also um, do what you can to... Um, to actually vote and vote members into um, local and state and national um, houses of um, uh, to be your members of, um, of Senate and yeah. Congress to or Senate and um, and the House of Representatives to that really care about 
ecological concerns and care about climate change. And um, so, yeah, I think that there's just things that you can do on, on every level. And then, yeah, and then, um, and then of course, also wash your pesticide use around your own home. We appreciate And be more tolerant of things like clover and dandelions that feed the bees. Oh, so dandelions and clovers are good for bees? Oh, yeah. Dandelions are an extraordinarily important flower for bees because they're one of the first things that come out in the springtime that um, that will feed um, feed bees and feed queen bumblebees as they're coming out of their the, nest after the after the winter. So dandelions, although they do make your lawn look a little messy there, you can instead look at your lawn like a wildflower meadow <laughs> that feeds bees. Before we uh, before we finish our talk, there are two things, two we questions that I have for Sarah. you we can't finish um, Sarah. about She's large good. scale honey bee uh, producers. I heard uh, rumors, and I want you to confirm or deny these rumors. One that they have a, 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 a they I don't know if they do that usually, but they have the practice of culling the beehives that they destroy the beehives and just buy new bees every year. Is that true? The, the large producers, some of them are. All of them. No, that's not true. Mm-mm. No, I think I have heard of one or two people doing that, but they're shamed within the community and looked down upon. I would say that our large commercial beekeepers are doing the best that they can for their animals. Okay. They really do see their bees as their livestock and as their animals. And my my mentors are both large commercial beekeepers, and they are... Um, they are better beekeepers and care more about their bees and are more mindful and fight harder than anybody else that I know for um, for the for the love of their bees and their livelihoods and their workers' livelihoods. So, yeah, I think that unfortunately our large commercial beekeepers can get a pretty bad rap. But I wouldn't I would encourage anybody who is a beekeeper or who maybe feels that way to try and get on a crew and go and work alongside commercial beekeepers there are some commercial beekeepers that will accept interns or somebody to come out for a day or two and help out in almond pollination or something and so you can really see what it's like and it's actually um yeah they have a very um my mentors uh zach browning and john miller have a very beautiful and um uh relationship with their bees and they they love those bees sarah we got a quick 30 seconds tell me difference yellow jackets wasps are they all bad guys, those other guys that people mistake for bees? <laughs> There's no bad guys. No, no, no. They're cousins. They're hymenoptera, so they're cousins of bees. And they're also, I would say, they're just defensive. Um, there is a yellow jacket. There is a species of yellow jacket that drives me up the wall, and they're the ones that are super obnoxious and um, yes, always trying to get your, your ribs and your watermelon. But for the most part, the vast majority of our hornets and our wasps are very shy and very peaceful and really want nothing to do with stinging you and it's the same thing you just kind of have to give them their space and if you don't bother them they won't bother you another question another myth uh i also heard that uh the beekeepers when they take the honey from the honeycomb they replace it with sugar for the honeybees to eat is that true or the bees get to eat all their honey no that's also that's another myth so the vast majority of beekeepers that I know, they extract a certain amount of honey, but they always leave, uh, um, they leave. So I, when I extract my honey, I leave about 60 to 80 pounds of honey in the hive, 
which is enough for them to get through the winter and into the next spring, okay. depending upon the size of the hive. But I leave them with plenty of their own. So honeybees are, they love, there's nothing in the world that they love more than to make honey. And so if you give them room and they're healthy and strong, they are going to, they're going to fill that honeycomb with honey. Have, and that's so, they fill we what's called supers, which are superfluous or extra hives. And then you take off those honey supers, those extras, and then you leave them with their honey that they have made and you leave them with enough. That's a good beekeeping practice that most beekeepers practice. We do feed sugar syrup, but that's in times of dearth and with climate change. Um, we have to be extra careful and extra um, just care extra for our bees and because there are times of drought and there are times of really weird weather or long rain periods where the bees can't fly or mm. and so we keep an eye on our bees to make sure that they have enough to eat but if there is a period where they're eating themselves out of house or home house and home because of crazy weather then we need to step in and care for those bees Sarah, by feeding them question. so Sarah, um yeah so i do feed my bee sugar water but i mix it with i make a biodynamic tea and i put some essential oils and oh Sarah, apple we, cider vinegar Sarah, <laughs> nice. when we go to grocery so i spoil shelves. my girls <laughs> Sarah, when we go to grocery store shelves what kind of bees what countries do you recommend that bees well, from well local no lo- lo- let's local. get local let's stuff. keep it local let's keep local but what are these at homogenous yeah. pasteurized what are they there's certain bees uh, the, the actual pasteurized honey. honey what kind of honey should Dale, we look Dale, for on the shell yeah you need to be really careful uh buying honey because um honey is one of the most adulterated u.s food products in the country and so um it's right up there with olive oil you just don't know what you're getting because the um our government does not do its job and it doesn't make sure that the honey that is ending the quote unquote honey that's ending up on shelves and in the homes of consumers is actually honey. So we're right and uh, there's a lot what, what of importations. We, we eat way more honey in this country than beekeepers in this country can make anymore because of habitat loss. So we have to import honey and a lot of packers do import honey. That's not actually honey. It's chemicals and syrup and um, things that we don't want to be eating and might not be healthy for us and might actually harm us. So the best thing that you can possibly do is go to the farmer's market or find a beekeeper to buy from directly. So if you, um, if you can find, yeah, if you can just cut out, if you can get as far down on the supply chain as you possibly can and find a local beekeeper to connect with, to buy honey from, they would love that. And you're supporting your, your local agricultural community by doing that as well. Sarah, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show, and I want to make a special request for you to come back and Please. tell us specifically how different foods are made, like honey or beeswax and royal jelly. Oh, sure, I yeah. Would really, for part two, just so really you can tell our listeners how, two. you know, when they eat something, how it's made, because right. bees are amazing. I think they're so intelligent. They're and, fascinating. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I'll, I'll, I always love them, and I always will. So thank you very much. You're really out of time. Sorry, great guest. But, come back, please, another time, please. Thank you very much. I will so, do, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It was my pleasure. Have a re- nice rest of I can talk about bees all day. All right. <laughs> me too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Everybody out there, stay safe. Oh, thank you very much for, for spending this time with us. I just love bees. I think they're yeah. beautiful. And Wash your hands. Wash your hands. And don't go coronavirus. crazy over the coronavirus. Thank so, you so um, much, everybody. See you next week. Next Bye-bye. Time. Bye-bye. <laughs> 
You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio. 